Today's episode is sponsored by Stoplights and a Moral Compass. Episode 4, welcome. Uh, in today's episode, we have Alex Orr. He was a former co-worker of mine, um, and we would just sit down and like uh, have these random conversations at work. Um, and because we don't work together, I'm glad uh, I got to sit down and have this conversation with him. Um, that's really it for me. It's a rainy Tuesday evening, um, if you're curious on a weather update. Uh, other than that, let's get right to it. This conversation was recorded on November 17th? I don't know. Oh my god, I don't know, I forgot. Ah, this conversation was recorded on November 19th, 2017. Welcome to Mr. Rotor's Neighborhood. happens at the end this is like slow and then everything <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. so well we've i started recording it yeah. um you want to say your name this is uh alex or oh this is oh that's good that's a nice some people just like have just said their name i like that you said this is no. very proper coming at you that's good from shirag's kitchen from my kitchen slash dining room studio (laughs) recording studio recording studio it has like a few there's like some walls around that kind of keep it like there's art there is some art i'm trying to set an ambiance it's it's working there's some incense lit it's pretty good set the mood (laughs) um dimmed Thank you for doing this, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Man, all right. Well, I guess we'll just go into a little bit of a background. So we used to work together. Mm-hmm. That's where I met you. Yep. We did work together. We did work together. And then we would like uh, do this at lunch, kind of. We would sit around a table and just like chat. Yeah. A lot of times we would just sit and eat at our desks, but then it's like, it sucks because then you just work more. So, you know, when you, I don't know, I just need to get up. I need to get up, get away from the desk, yeah. and then, you know, it just so happened that we sat at the table at the same time, and who knows? Who knows what we're going to talk about? I think also, like, we didn't really, like, so we worked together for, like, four years almost? Four, almost. Almost four, five years. Almost five years, and I would say for the first maybe two and a half, at we least. didn't really talk that much. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, this was a, a recent development. <laughs> yeah, man, we uh, we saw an exorcist together. We did, yeah. That wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it was cool, but it was not not what I was expecting. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen when you were going to go see an exorcist? Well, I guess the fact that it was put on by like a Catholic group at the university, yeah, um, it makes sense that he was not glorifying exorcism. 
I was wanting it to be like way creepier than it was. I, w- I wanted stories. Yeah. But he was just talking about how not everyone it was it was like not everyone needs an exorcism he made it seem really it, reasonable like it yeah. was like an actual like a, he made it seem like another option that makes sense for some people maybe it was almost like once people have exhausted traditional resources to combat mental illness then maybe go see a priest and see if an exorcism works and i was not I was not expecting that. No, I, me neither. Yeah. I was expecting us to go inside and him be like, everyone's fucking crazy. I'm going to take the devil out of these people. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was like us. Let me tell you about some shit that I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> there no. wasn't any of that. No, it it was actually, I was, even though like he made it clear that wasn't magical what they were doing to some degree. Yeah. I wanted, and I was, and I, in my head, I knew I'm like, this fucking asshole is going to talk about it like magic and the spirits are real or whatever and then he made it sound really reasonable and scientific and i was i hated it i hated that he made it sound yeah, reasonable and scientific. i mean yeah it was very much from the church the church's perspective of course where you know they they don't want to glorify like the evil side at all they don't want to talk about you know the the conjuring and all of these like demon possession movies which you know there were a few neckbeards in the audience who were real into asking questions about ed and lorraine warren and really wanted more from him and he was not, he wasn't giving he wasn't in given anything he, he stayed up. strong man. yep he's he stuck to his story he wasn't wasn't diverting from that that <laughs> church path there i also thought that the lights were gonna start flickering and it was around halloween yeah and i was like yeah but it was just like a brightly lit room with like paper bats hung from the ceiling yes just not... and then snacks after yeah like, yeah like, like home-baked cookies yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff <laughs> yeah. i just watched uh have you seen the right r-i-t-e yes with um, Anthony, Hopkins Anthony Hopkins and about exorcism. But I think even in that movie, they say, like, we do try to um, make sure people don't have a mental thing. Like, this isn't something that science can fix before they, like, jump into trying to exercise a person. Yeah. I think that's maybe, I don't know, that movie was awful. I, I hate, didn't I, like I, it. I hated that movie. I didn't, I don't... What didn't you like about it? Why didn't you like it? I just thought it was boring. It just yeah. wasn't... I don't know. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it sort of like found footage almost? Or was that something else? I watch... No. I watch a lot of demon possession movies <laughs> because they're my favorite genre of horror movie. Um, Does it scare you? Like, do you think of like demon possession as a real thing that could happen? I like it because it's really the only thing that I think could be real. I don't, you know, I'm not scared of, like, slasher films of, like, Jason or yeah, yeah. something. You've watched all of them. Just make that be known. He's seen every Jason movie that's yeah. ever existed. Yeah, all in one week. Yeah, all in one week. Yeah. Goddamn. Okay. I mean, I've seen them all over time, but then I, I revisited them all in one week. <laughs> um, and made my wife watch them with me. She pretended like she wasn't into it, but... By by Jason Nine, she was like, "Yeah, yeah. this is the best." Yeah, by the, by the end, she was definitely. Um, I think they were on Amazon, and we couldn't get the tenth one. She was like, "Well, we just have to rent it now." <laughs> so you know, 
She acted like she didn't like it, but <laughs> that's obviously not true. Why do you think demon possession is real? Or why do you think that's the only feasible thing that it could be real? I mean, I guess the haunting ones I, I also think could be real to some extent. Like it's with just, ghosts and shit? Yeah, it's just, I don't know. The I grew up Catholic. We It wasn't like a super strict Catholic upbringing. Like, you know, we were uh, priesters, Christmas and Easter. That's, that's a term? Yeah. There has to be like a Hindu term. So that's kind of what my family is too. We're like religious, but you wouldn't really know. Yeah, I mean, we're like, (laughs) like we live our life in sort of what I think to be like a good sort of. Right. But not specific Hindu religious way, just like good people, I guess. But like we go to temple on like Diwari and we go to, that's about it really. But yeah, that's funny. Christers. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds worse than it. That's like a, it sounds too close to creepers, I think. Yeah. No, I don't know. But it was, yeah, we went Christmas and Easter, and then at some point we dropped Easter, and then at some point we dropped Christmas. <laughs> if you were just... to pick a holiday, I would definitely, like, if I'm getting rid of all the holidays, I would probably, Christmas would probably stay in my top for a long time. As a commercial, secular holiday? I just, like, like what if I had to choose one holiday to celebrate for the rest of my life, and everyone had to celebrate? I like Christmas in general. I like Christmas from a religious standpoint i did not like christmas well, yeah, yeah, yeah. because the mass on christmas is so long for catholics Do you have to I go mean, at nighttime you can mm. there's like a midnight mass like christmas eve but we would always go christmas day and so i think part of it is just from the perspective of like a child experiencing this um where i would wake up you know super early in the morning come downstairs and we would open our presents and right when you see all the cool new stuff that you got like your super nintendo and all that then it was time to get ready for church so we would go to church and then it's like two hours long because they do like a whole play with little kids and it's god awful it's just (laughs) worst acting i've ever seen in my life well that's what you get for hiring children (laughs) they should hire like real adult actors or real children were these children that were part just like people in the church yeah any dude like somewhat related like at at indian weddings they have like dances that are put on Mm -hmm. by family um, and I fucking hate it because it's like people who are terrible at dancing and you yeah. gotta watch and it's actually some of the sweetest like it's such a beautiful gesture for people to do this dance for their family yeah. but you have to watch like people who haven't practiced dancing dance and then have to sit through this shit and watch these people who are terrible do this beautiful thing and I'm sure like those children they're doing an amazing thing it's beautiful so but I don't want to fucking watch people do bad stuff. Is that typically at those Indian weddings? Is that typically children who do this, or is it just anybody? Anyone, dude. I I mean, okay. it's like because it, I've been to one Indian wedding, yeah, and this girl's I don't know twenty, yeah, plus years old, yes, and she did a dance that was just like it was just really bizarre from my perspective having never experienced this. Like, why is there before. someone dancing? Yeah, it yeah. just like everyone like clear the dance floor and then just this girl goes out and just does a was she dancing by herself yeah was she any good no so like so i didn't get it (laughs) i was just like you're bad why are you on the dance floor (laughs) everyone's like yeah this is great (laughs) so like those um so i know like hindu weddings uh and i've only been 
to I've been to like a few Muslim weddings and then I've been to mm-hmm. a few Gujarati like Hindu weddings and so those things are usually uh, done by I think kind of whoever really I think some people get asked if they want to dance you'll have to ask like an Indian couple that's actually gotten married was, but like it was like a cousin yeah so like it's your um, so like it, there's generally like the the bridesmaids and the groomsmen mm-hmm. will do a dance not always but that's like almost guaranteed i think at a, at a hindu wedding and then the rest are like and this is their little cousin and then this yeah. is their like 20 year old cousin who wanted to do a <laughs> dance for them and it's this very sweet beautiful gesture i think of like hey i did this for you i practiced it for you it's like it's just me alone and but they're usually so bad and you have yeah. to watch and like if you like at that wedding you went to where you didn't really know who she was. Now you're watching this person who you don't fucking know dance terribly, yeah. and you have to sit through that shit <laughs> yeah. instead of like drinking or eating or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. over. So this motherfucker's like, on stage dancing. It's like doing? you suck, get off. <laughs> it was terrible. Yes, and then it's like um, there's like old people that dance, which is again like beautiful, but it's like you are terrible. I don't yeah, want no, I don't, to watch. I don't, I don't care. I don't need to see grandma shuffling around out there. No. Grandma should be sitting in her chair for hours looking at us judgmentally as we drink <laughs> and dance. Yeah, exactly. I was at a wedding a few weeks ago, um, and so the kid who invited us, uh, we like knew him through another friend. And uh, at one point, it was just me and my friend on the dance floor, and the kid's mom went up to the guy getting married and was like, do you know who, who those two people are? It felt pretty good. I actually kind of... Now I understand why that girl probably dances. It's nice to be in the limelight where no one knows who you are. It's beautiful. My little brother has always... Um, he's always just danced publicly, mm. um, which is something I was never... Even to this day, I'm still not super comfortable with. He danced at your wedding a little bit. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm better about it now mm-hmm. than I even, you know, two or three years ago. But... My little brother, I remember being a kid and we'd be like with my mom in Kohl's and she's doing something and uh, they always had security cameras where you could see, you could see yourself on the, the screen that was posted right above it. And so my brother would just get right in front of it and start dancing just, <laughs> you know, to whatever music was playing yeah. in the store. And, and I mean, that's carried over even into his like adult years where um my cousin got married several years ago maybe four or five years ago and he married a girl who's from china and so half the room is these like very conservative white midwestern people and the other half of the room is these very conservative chinese people you almost wanted to say a color no (laughs) no i say color um, but then they had a ba- they had an actual band playing, and they were really good. But nobody was dancing. Ah, right. And so my brother just ran out onto the dance floor and starts clapping and flapping his arms and karate chopping and just any kind of movement he could make. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, like at first, people were just laughing because they're like, "Who's this idiot out here?" But then I think seeing somebody not care yes. that much yes. made other people think maybe I could maybe I could go out there too. Hell yeah. You need that shit, dude. Like dance floors get so you have to 
Yeah, you, there always has to be a somebody or a group of people. I think that's why they do like the and now the couples on the dance floor dance. Like yeah. I think that just shows because we have when I mean it's kind of it's scary to be the only person. This on, one's for the lovers. I every wedding I've been to, I I don't think I've ever had a plus one at a wedding. So that is such a sad moment for me. Like when the, like I gotta walk off sadly when, when it's like some fun song and everyone's yes. jumping around and stuff, and then. It just they slow it down and you can see all of the single people just, just like put their head put their head down and just slowly walk off to the side. The, the hope is I'm at the wedding with a few couple friends who will let me kind of just hover around. Ooh, that's <laughs> the ones that like feel sorry enough for me to be like, all right, you know what? We won't hold each other even though we love each other. We'll dance in a circle because you're alone. <laughs> we feel bad for yeah. you. <laughs> Uh, it's so sad. Every time they've done that shit, it seems like it's, yeah, right after, like, an awesome song where you are at your, like, high yeah. point just fucking singing. You're like, let's keep it rolling yeah. here. And then it's no. like, no, let's... Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> <And> like, like... <laughs> yeah. You, uh, so you said you were raised Catholic? I was. Were your parents pretty religious? No. Like, my dad grew up... His mom was pretty devout catholic his dad i guess my grandfather used to um he used to drive them to church on sunday yeah drop them off because my grandmother never my grandmother never learned to drive um like through her entire life she never drove a car um so my grandpa would drop them off at church and then go i don't know to the bar or back home or do whatever he was doing for an hour or two and then come back and pick him up but then when he was like in his 60s he got baptized and became very religious your too. grandfather did mm-hmm. how old was he when he got baptized 60 something 60 oh in the i thought you in, said in his 60s. i thought you said in the 60s oh, no. in yeah 63 yeah baptized 62, something like that yeah mm. um yeah and and my dad went to catholic school and stuff but like as an adult you know we went Christmas and Easter. Yeah. And that was that was it. And so when I was in high school, I was pretty religious, even into like my early college years. Really? But then I don't know, I just I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore once I started developing my own thoughts and feelings and and ideas. I just found that the Catholic Church just didn't not we, we weren't in line with the way we thought about the world. Yeah. Did you, um, so you were raised in like a smaller town, right? Yeah. And, uh, would you say like it was like a fairly religious area or a conservative or whatever? No, surprisingly. Mm. So it's a town of about 800 people. Well, when we moved there in 1990, it was 800 people. Now it's like 4,000, which is still pretty small. Um, I think you sent me a picture once of the like one road. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Out of the town. Um, I mean, to get into the town, there's um, an east-west street on the north and south ends. Two two east-west streets on the north and south ends, and then one street through the middle of town. That blows my mind every time. I just like and like anytime I'm in a smaller town, or if, like when you sent me that picture of yeah. just like when you can't see a stoplight for a really yeah long stretch and like being raised in the city it's really interesting to just see that like oh that's also an odd thing i think that picture i sent you the nearest stop sign was maybe four to five miles away 
there's blocks and now that you live in the city and like yeah. there are blocks where there's a stop sign right behind the other stop yeah. sign you just passed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean to get six blocks you stop six six times yes. six six stop signs. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's I think because of its proximity to Chicago, um we had a lot of people in our town who were well-educated and you know people who commuted into chicago every day yeah, yeah. i mean it's gotcha. only an, on the train it's an hour hour and a half maybe um and so there were doctors and lawyers and just all kinds of people who lived there who worked in the city but didn't want to live in the city they yeah. wanted you know i mean you could in 1988 when my parents bought the lot that their house was built on an acre and a quarter and it cost fifteen thousand dollars you know you could you could build a three thousand square foot house for a hundred thousand dollars on one plus acres so if that's the life you're looking for it was a great place for that but i think because of that the town never seemed very conservative i got you okay um because you always had a little bit of that like outside perspective maybe with people living in the city yeah, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't secluded. It wasn't, you know, just a bunch of people who they just go to church and go to the bar and you know, that's That that's sounds kind of nice, man. You know? I mean, that sounds like not that many problems. You just kind of go this just like I know, I go to the church and then I go to the bar and then I go to my house and then that's it. There is nothing else I need to worry about. I'll be fine because the church keeps me good, and the beer keeps me happy, yeah. and then my wife is whatever, or my husband is whatever, and we just kind of keep doing it until we're done. But then that just, I don't know. But then when that changes, so like I said, when we moved there in 1990, there were 800 people. There was not a stoplight in that town. Now there's two stoplights Too in the many. town. Yeah. Uh, when the first one went in, they had a parade um, with like all three fire trucks and like two police cars in the town to celebrate the to celebrate the new stoplight um they made t-shirts which i've talked to other people about it people remember that this t-shirt existed no one saved one i don't know your family doesn't have a, a t-shirt just lying around the house no not from that my mom's got all my old baseball t-ball <laughs> uniforms but no no uh new stoplight in elburn uh that's a f- yeah, it was a big deal. Um, like the mayor gave a speech, and what do you say when you're celebrating a stoplight? And what was the reason for a stoplight? We've been going too fast. Uh, we need to slow down. I think it was starting to build up a little bit more. Um, the town itself. The town itself, and and it was initially it was just a, a four way stop at that intersection and it was getting to a point where um i feel like you're describing some fucking city from the early 1900s yeah before like that was the first town in illinois to get a stop like is what it sounds like you're yeah. describing no, this was I mean, in 1990 or whatever this was i mean this was we moved there in 1990 so in this the was two- year this was years later uh, maybe 95 95 celebrating a stoplight yeah okay yeah um yeah it's i don't know it's rural it's (laughs) it's still the kind of place where um 
in the spring and fall getting stuck behind a tractor is a legitimate excuse for being late for work because mm. you know i've been stuck behind a tractor once i was going from uh i was going from somewhere out west to wisconsin and the road that it told me to take was like these inner mm-hmm. town highways or i don't know what they're called but those ones where there isn't a stoplight for a very long the, time yeah and there was a tractor that i drove behind for a while and it sucked i was not happy yeah i don't ever want to do that again yeah no i don't know i mean i like growing up like that yeah um but what i was saying before you know the the whole the fact that the town had more people sort of leaving the town for things and then coming back they saw stoplights in the city they well, have stoplights I, I, in downtown. I feel like they you know had a, a different perspective on the world than somebody who lives in a small town and only exists within you know a couple miles of that town yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. but then i feel like that's where some issues come from when if all you know is this, like I said, we moved there in 1990. There were 800 people. Today, there's four or 5,000 people. Yeah, that's a big jump. That's a big change. The town, you know, it has a lot of the same sort of character to it, but it's very different from when I first moved there. Yeah. So if all you knew was that, and now it's changed to what it is today, Yeah. that's... I don't know. That would be very difficult to live with. Sure. I think it's, uh, I think that like is the, um, it's a good thing to like have. It's dangerous to only be surrounded by the people that are just like you in a neighborhood like that. And you like, excuse me, I was burping. Like the, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's probably make, it's probably for the better, I guess to have. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, yeah, it's nice when you're exposed to different people with different beliefs and different upbringings and things um, so that you don't fall into, you know, only understanding one into something else, you know, you're completely just, you can't handle it. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I grew up in a town of 800 people in the middle of cornfields. My wife grew up on the South side of Chicago, you know, it's (laughs) night and day. To some to some extent, as far as location and things, but I don't know. I think the thing, the commonality, is the strong sense of community that yeah. we both had. Yeah, but, hell yeah. But you know, like, yeah, if I wanted to do anything, I had to drive thirty minutes to you know go bowling or go to a movie when I was in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, to this day, she still doesn't have a, a driver's license because she never needed one. Yeah. Because all of her friends lived within, you know, a couple blocks or a bus ride or, you know, anything you wanted to do was a bus or train ride away. That was like, I mean, I, I had a, I started driving at 16, um, like living in the city, but it was just cause we had an extra car, uh, and it was pretty fun to drive and my parents let me have that car, but yeah, I didn't need it. Like I had... Like the there were three like dudes I kicked it with regularly in high school, and two of them lived within walking distance, and the other one lived on a bus ride that was direct. Like it was just a direct bus ride from in front of my house and dropped me off basically in front of his house. And so like, we never needed a car, and we also like we just kind of kicked it in our neighborhoods. Like we didn't go even like we didn't even yeah. like take the trains to downtown enough. We would just like 
play football in the alley or play basketball in the alley and like I didn't need a car. We just ha- I just happened to have one, so we would be able to go out to the movie theaters out in the suburbs if we wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if I just wanted to go to my friend's house, I have to get in the car and drive, you know, fifteen minutes. Yeah. What um What made you like? Uh, you said you're like not uh, as religious, or at least within the cat. Like, I guess what began your sort of um, maybe like departure from Catholicism? It's actually. Uh, Catholicism itself. Um, when <laughs> it's not me, it's you. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, when you're a kid uh, in the Catholic Church, you have to go to CCD, which I've always wanted to be a part of CCD because it sounds so cool. I don't. I still don't know what it stands for. Yes, they don't um, tell you. No, not even on day one. You're just at CCD. And I they don't. Yeah, care. you're just sort of there. And you you know you're just sort of always there and like some and then that's leading you through um, you know your baptism your first communion and then your confirmation in which you become an adult in the church and that's at like uh, thirteen or something <laughs> so most places do it when you're in like seventh or eighth grade yeah for whatever reason our church decided that we had to go through this until junior year of high school. Before you could be confirmed? Yeah. So at like 17 years old, every Sunday I had to go to the church and get religious education. So there's a couple people within the church who sort of shaped my um, religious beliefs. The first one is the person who actually led me to um, become more religious and at one point in my life even entertain the idea of becoming a priest can i say like uh we're gonna there's gonna be a picture of you at the end of this and like i could i'm looking at you right now and you're not wearing anything that's priest-like but i could 100 percent. you have like a great neck for that collar <laughs> i think like you'd look really it would make a lot of sense yeah. you have like some people are built to like play football yeah i think you are built to like built for the clergy wear a, <laughs> yeah you're built for the clergy and wear a white collar you'd look great man so it's um, still an option but yeah, the pastor of our church when I was a kid, Father Paddock. Um, Shout out to Father Paddock. He, R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, Father, yeah, Father yeah. Paddock. I mean, he was old when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but he. <laughs> That's a funny thing to think of, like, <laughs> yeah, old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was when I was in middle school, he was like seventy years old. Yeah. So you know. Um, so if he was still kicking it today, you know, he'd be probably over a hundred years old. Um, but. He was probably like the most genuinely kind person mm. I've ever met in my entire life. Um, he just every Sunday, you know, he would either be the one to give the mass and give the sermon and things. Um, and his sermons were always like very like uplifting and very much about like brotherhood and taking care of each other and being kind to each other and things things like that um and then he would go downstairs on the way out um and this was even if he wasn't the one giving the mass he would come over after mass was over he would shake everybody's hand he would he knew like every kid's name he knew if kids were in college, he knew where they were going. Like, and, actually seemed and, to genuinely yeah, care about This was people. his community, and he loved everybody in it. And yeah. it was just, you know, it was cool to see somebody who genuinely cared about a group of people like this. Um, that also, like, 
I can see how uh, someone who does act like that, like, is nice and um, seems to care, yep. and then also happens to be, like, a religious person, yep. could sort of bring you into, like, that way of living a little bit. Or at least make you be like, you know what, that's not that bad. Like, he seems cool, and he's nice, and he's also of this religion, and, like, makes you want to maybe listen to them more. Yeah, and... I mean, to me, he sort of embodied all of what, all of the good things that Christianity was teaching you to be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, he was, he was great. He was, um a really genuinely good person and you know it did help me think maybe this is something I want to be a part of more mm. and then he retired and we got a new pastor Jim uh Carl even yeah, yeah don't don't like him yeah and so he um <laughs> not even the very, last name just Carl I don't even remember what <laughs> I, I honestly don't remember what his last name Carl. was but he was very strict um he just never got to know never got to know the community never really i don't know was carl from the outside or was carl part of the church he was from the outside so the way it works is you get like a calling where basically the church just tells you where to go they call it a calling yeah whoa i believe so like a religious like you've been religiously called or god has told you like yeah you have to go yeah. help this church out yeah now. yeah yeah you've been called to you know work with this community do you know as you say that and you and you said like but it's just basically the church telling you like that it's yeah like, but it's like sometimes that kind of like delusion it, well, that's associated with like religiousness and those sorts of things where it's like you know someone's just telling you to go here it's not a calling from god it's yeah like, those things are just like I, I can I that uh, I'm not like against religion I'm not sort of super duper religious but like those sorts of things make me want to be like I'm not going to be associated with that mm-hmm. then because clearly it's not a calling it's the church saying they need someone here so go here why can't you just say I'm this I'm here not like and it's a like an over spiritualization of stuff sometimes it's like dude shut up so <laughs> I I actually really like all the like. Um, pomp and and things of <laughs> and just like the theatrics okay. of the Catholic Church. Cool. Um, you know, every sort of rank higher you get, you get like different robes, and you know, at a certain point you get like fun hats and things. And so you have to earn and the hats and and sashes. It sounds like a video things. game where like the more points you earn, the more like dope yeah, you shit your character up. can yeah. wear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, level up to bishop status and, and things like that's that. like is that the largest hat uh i think the pope but besides yeah i guess besides yeah. like something that's like a little bit more attainable like the pope seems like that's just yeah i don't really know how all of it works okay um but yeah it's i don't know i i do like that part of it you know the really <laughs> grand churches yeah, with like just beautiful architecture and stained glass windows and you know the the giant crucifix at the front um yeah so that's something that one of my best friends is a lutheran pastor and i think one of the major differences between his church and the church that i went to as a kid is um his church has a big cross at the front our church had a big crucifix 
at the front. So the difference is crucifixes with Jesus actually on yes. the um, representation so, of yeah. Jesus. So you see, yeah, every time you sit down in church, you are reminded of um, Jesus giving his life to you know absolve your sins. Gotcha. And is that specifically a Catholic thing? I don't know that it is, but I think guilt and um repenting and things like that are very big catholic things yes so that was actually one of the things um when i brought up ccd is the person who was leading this when i was like 17 years old and just not wanting to be in it any longer because it's already been you know 12 years of this or something that i've been doing and i'm just ready to move on um she was very much about the like guilt and damnation and things like that um at one point made some statement that was essentially um like look around the room only like one in ten of you is gonna go to heaven and i was like well fuck why even try yeah you know if 90 percent of us are doomed to go to hell then fuck it it also then gives you this like superiority complex over others when you start to think that you're in that top ten percent. Yeah, and I think that's what like what turns you into a it's fucking just like asshole. Self righteousness, like yes. I'm I'm holier holier than thou, or yeah. you know I'm I'm a better Christian than you. Dude. And then it's like yes, but that's like pride. That's like one of the fucking seven deadly sins. But then it's like nobody sees that. It's that's the, yes, man. Like yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. It's it's very. We, I I, uh, I don't respond well when someone who is a religious person or believes themselves to be sort of like uh, elevated religiously or spiritually talks to me like they are better than me. Because that is no. Like, d- yeah. Because it doesn't – if you're sort of entering into this realm of like godliness and spirituality, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to understand that like – we're all on the same level. And there isn't yeah. like, I'm better than you. And as and I didn't know that pride was one of the seven deadly sins. So it's like, you're now directly going against this thing that yeah. you're saying you're the best at. That doesn't make sense. There's so many just like fake Christians that yeah. they... Uh, Sounds they, like a pretty cool like punk band name too. Fake Christians. I'm going to write that down because uh, if I ever start a punk band, that's going to be my shit. They just, I don't know. There's so many people who put on the show of being yeah. Christian. Yeah. There are very few people that I come across that truly embody like what it means to be Christian. I would say even I would extend that to just like any religious belief or yeah. whatever. Not yeah, yeah, not to just disparage yeah. Christian. Just like anybody yeah, like just yeah. faking yeah, your religiousness just, yeah. as a mode of being better than Yeah, me. just you know, in my my own personal experience it's you know because I went to a Catholic um university for my undergrad and Mm. you know there were so many just pretentious just pseudo christians who just want to like preach at you they don't just they perceive some kind of sin that you're committing yeah and they want to save you i'm like i don't need to be fucking saved that's not your job to save other people my uh dad so um uh I forgot when this was, but my dad was walking around, um, and some guy was like, uh, do you want 
the Lord Jesus Christ, because if you don't, you're going to go to hell. And my dad was like, I'll just see you in hell, and then walked away. <laughs> it's like, but like, how does someone who's yeah. outside screaming about a religion, or just like in, in that someone, yeah. like a person like sort of self-righteously or whatever, yeah. and saying that you are doing something wrong, like how do, what in your head makes you think that that's going to work and get someone to believe that, oh, yeah, I am being wrong? In the way that I, live. I mean, because you truly believe that you are saving heathens, yeah, and converting them, and, yeah. You know, have you heard the good word? Like, you know, it's like, it's it's creepy, dude. I, so that, um, actually, I, I think I don't know if we talked about this before, but so like, as I've been kind of reading these like different spiritual texts, or just kind of trying to just like listen to other people's perspectives and like read other people's things, I've started to sort of create in my head like okay, I think I'm starting to understand the way that's going to work for me and how I should live my life. And then that turns into me looking at other people living differently and not even just like, here. I don't know, an example would just be like, uh, I'm trying to drink a little bit less. Um, and so I'll see these people who are like getting really, really fucked up and friends of mine too. And in my yeah. head, I'm like, yo, you don't have to drink that much. And it could potentially turn into like, I see how I live. I know that it's like working for me. I see you living another way. And in my head, maybe I think it's not working for you. So I want to tell you um, that I want to like kind of like preach like, hey, maybe drink less or whatever. And so that instinct is like me thinking my way of living is maybe a little bit better than someone else's way of living. And then I started thinking about the Westboro Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. And like to them, they think they have the answer. They're 100% right in their yes. in their own mind. And so because of that, they think they need to tell everyone because they're trying to save in their head. I think, I mean, I can't really speak for them, but what I imagine yeah. is like they think their way of living is the right way and it will get them to heaven, which is something that they want to go to. Yeah. And so by and their way is they see all these people doing things that are against their religion or whatever. And so then it turns it leads them to do these like really fucked up like protests outside of like soldiers funerals and wherever it and all those things and it's like oh but they don't like even though what they're doing seems so extreme and fucked up it's like but they actually believe i think that they have the answer and they they're like trying to help us in some way yeah i i don't know i i just it's hard for me to accept that any kind of man-made institution has the correct answers for me spiritually. Mm. I mean, any church is, you know, they have their the rules and, you know, their main tenets and their beliefs and things. And it's just, I don't know how a person with free will can just sort of blindly follow the beliefs that somebody else has told you that you should believe. Yeah. I think that was sort of the main thing that sort of put me off religion, that I was being told how to feel and how to believe and how to think about the world and spirituality and God and, and almost all probably these like, things. like tamp down whatever, like your internal, yeah. like, and I think that's where guilt comes in. It's like, yeah. you're supposed to feel bad for how you feel your natural inclination, whatever yeah. that is, because it's wrong. And there's yeah. this better way to live. When I think like a religion should be empowering you to sort of like dive into your own shit and like find what works for you. Hopefully that doesn't involve like 
doing terrible acts or whatever, committing horrible crimes or all that, but like really sort of understanding that like your internal stuff is fine. Like you can't tamp down your feelings of like, I don't yeah. know. Like it, it's trying to be a moral compass for you, but it's like you have to have your own moral compass. And you have and, to. And so it's one thing to teach you these are the things that the church believes and, you know, these are the types of things that, you know, are good for you, good for us, good for society yeah. and, and things like that. But then allowing people the freedom to, you know, make mistakes and form their own beliefs about things. Cause it's just, if you set up strict rules, then you either have fanatics or you have people who actively oppose you or like just people who are just rejected. completely turned off by it and you're not like when you i think like when you give people strict rules and tell them this is how things go you're not teaching them like how to think for yourself like you're doing stuff because it was like i guess because my hindu priest told me this is what yeah. you're supposed to do or my like catholic priest told me this is what i was supposed to do but it's like but do you know like how did you come to that decision? Like, how did, like, the showing your work with math, it's like, you have to, yeah. if you don't have the skills to know that two plus two is four, and you just know that it's like four, it's like, what kind of person are you? You're not, you're not you. You're kind of just this other person's, what they've, like, image of what they want you to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you lead, then that leads to, like, yeah, you have to, and but you have to repress people's own, you have to, like, almost, I don't know, like, to some degree, maybe brainwash people to think that their own internal instincts are wrong yeah and i think that was the big thing for me is i you know i generally think i'm a good person like i've done stupid things i've never done anything like majorly destructive or detrimental to myself or anybody else have you ever peed outside i have you're a monster yeah i mean i'm pretty bad at peeing outside i've like if i wear flip-flops and i pee outside it's always getting on my toes I need to learn how to pee outside. How? You need to like go out. You can't just like pee straight down. I think you gotta aim. I didn't have like no one showed me. I've never been taught how to pee outside. I know how to pee in a toilet. I mean, how is it any different than peeing in a toilet? Well, because my like if I'm peeing outside, when you're peeing in a toilet, it's not gonna end up on my feet. My feet are not in the splash zone. You gotta aim further out. I don't have that strong of a stream. I think I've realized. <laughs> I did a lot of camping as a kid, so I peed outside a lot. So, yeah, you need to aim further out. Or find, like, a tree or something that you can just pee against, and then it'll run down the side of the tree. Yeah. Um, instead oh. of just pooling at your feet. Gotcha. Yeah, so I got to yeah. find a tree. Yeah. All right, I'll, next time. I don't really pee outside as much anymore. Yeah, I would hope not, like, within the city. Just Something like, like alleys every now and then. Yeah, I mean... It's always fun. I like to every every few years. I'll just do a pee outside just to like be reminded that there's a little bit of me that's bad. <laughs> Did you um? So like, when you started to leave the sort of belief of like Catholicism or your sort of like stepping away from the church, did you feel uh maybe not lost, but like you said, you were pretty religious growing up, and then you kind of left, and so like yeah. I think of that as like. Uh, You've been this one person for a while. Um, actually, so here's an example. I was watching this Scientology documentary yesterday um, called uh, My Scientology Film by Louis Theroux. 
Um, so anyways, one of the guys was talking about the, uh, a guy who had formerly been in the Church of Scientology and left was, he says, people always say to us, like, why don't you just fucking leave if it's bad? And it's like, what happens is you create this world where everything you know is associated with Scientology. Yeah. So he's like, you're kind of, if you leave the church, you're kind of committing a suicide because that old you is gone. You don't know anything about this outside world. You don't know how things work. You just like, this is his experience, but it's like, you're basically, you're, that old you is gone now and you aren't associating yourself with it now. So I imagine like if you're going, and th this can be with anything, but like if you go from like being pretty religious to maybe sort of leaving it a little bit and now, and if you haven't been taught how to think or you haven't been, you haven't built up your own moral yeah. compass, you've built up someone else's moral compass. Now you're in this world and you're like, well, who the fuck? Like, who am I? Which I think is kind of beautiful. But, like, is that... What it, was that like? It creates a void, for sure. That's mm. just sort of... Well, I've had this belief system for so long. What do I believe now? And so for a while, I did try a few different denominations. Like, other, um, other churches. Within the realm of Christianity? Within Christianity, it's like yeah. a nice like little halfway house. Like you can kind yeah, of like, I yeah, sort of yeah, know yeah. what you're about. Yeah, <laughs> so I, yeah, I did, I did read, I, you know, and then I read about like Islam and, and other things, just kind of a general, just what else is out there kind of <laughs> spiritual journey. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and I just never, nothing clicked. Just, I couldn't, I couldn't really get with anything. Yeah. There's nothing... Nothing made sense. And then I just sort of was devoid of religion and even sort of devoid of spirituality to the point where I was like, well, there's just fucking nothing. You know, I, I really got into like science and, and atheism and just like, and I think part of that was just sort of an almost anger at religion for not providing me with the spiritual fulfillment that sure. i needed well, and you were saying like you you that sort of over like when you over burden people with religion and someone leaves it it can turn into like the the alternate response which is yeah. like fuck that yeah there's this dude rob bell um who's like uh he's trying to like re change how people like look at christianity and he's i guess he's considered an evangelical christian but it's like this idea that um like have, there isn't really a heaven and hell it's all here and now and so we should work on being better people here but I guess mm -hmm. one of the things he says is like when someone rejects religion or they like say they don't believe in God he'll say like I don't believe in that God either it's like the, the this idea like people are rejecting maybe they're rejecting the church but might actually just be rejecting like the sort of those ideas associated with that church and that specific person or that group and it turns into like completely blocking off religion as a whole and like i think that's unfortunate not even just for those people but like there's good stuff in all of these religions and like re like really interesting things that can kind of help you along the way in whatever religion you choose and when you completely reject it you're like missing out on some good information even like even if you don't use it just like basically like there's i don't know like all these scientific studies and if you choose to not read a few then you might be missing out on something that might help like give you better answers and how to treat people and you're like actively choosing to do that so you don't have to like take in everything in religion but it's another opportunity that might teach you a little bit more that's unfor that unfortunately gets blocked off if you've been maybe over like burdened with religion yeah yeah it's yeah i mean i know for me i spent many years just with no religion or even 
any kind of spiritual belief or anything. Um, and it's, it's fine, but it's, I don't know, it's almost just as bad as having deeply held religious beliefs that sort of shape your, your feelings. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a a deep belief in just the nothingness or whatever, but it's still, yeah, you're still deeply believing in that. and, And that's a hard place to be is a deep belief in nothing. Just you know, like that like, would be the first the out the name of the first album of fake Christians would be a deep belief man, in nothing. Sounds like we're about to make a fucking yeah, mixtape, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great title. Um, so you, uh, how long did, did you like? I guess what took you out of there if you have sort of left that dark place? Um, I think just generally a lot of the angst and just um, anger and. A lot of just irrational feelings of my, you know, years past sort of just went away as I grew up to some degree where it's just like, you know, even if I don't go to church, doesn't mean that I have to reject God or reject Christians or Christianity. You know, at first it was sort of like, how could you believe in that bullshit kind of that thing. was the thought in your that head. was the thought in my head mm. you know whenever somebody's like oh it's like oh what are you doing on sunday and they're like oh i have to go to church and it's like fucking idiot but then it's like why like if that's what works for them like that's great yeah you know? it just didn't work for me so i think just growing up you sort of start to accept that it's like the same things don't work for everybody and so there's nothing wrong with you know being devoutly catholic or you know any other religion and there's nothing wrong with flatly rejecting all of those things and there's nothing wrong with being in the middle and i feel like i just you know i just feel like this can't be the only thing like this life on earth can't be the only thing that's like happening in the universe i don't necessarily believe that there's like a heaven where good people go and a hell where bad people are punished for eternity like that's that's ridiculous to me but that doesn't mean that there's not you know bigger forces at work in the universe so that's you know sort of i guess my compromise between scientific and and spiritual where you know we know after the Big Bang, the universe is expanding and it's still sort of expanding. So there is a scientific driving force to the universe, yeah. which I think it's a very human thing to ascribe spiritual beliefs onto things and to sort of humanize things. So that overall driving force to the universe in another name could be called God. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you're just humanizing something that sure is happening in the universe well that's like that's when i that's where i think like yeah religions like fuck up a little bit is when you do like make god look like an actual person because it just there's why do that like there's so much more benefit i think to like not ascribing and just be like look there's a lot of shit out there we don't know there might be a god god could be that just like the universe expanding and everything that's within it like that can be god like i just i i that's where like 
I think I sort of like lean towards is like I was raised Hindu. Um, it wasn't like a like um, like shoved down my throat with Hinduism. I think like everything the creaser equivalent. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. We were definitely like I would say like every. It's actually kind of I don't know like I don't associate how I lived or how I was raised specifically to like being a mm-hmm. Hindu. Like I think the way I was raised. It had its specific Hindu things that we did, just like the prayers. Even though I do still like do a little Catholic Christian prayer before I go to bed. I went to Catholic school for two years. <laughs> so I do the like, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy yep. Spirit. I do like a yep. little cross. And then I uh, do, I think, a dinner prayer before I go to bed. Uh, just because I just have been doing that since I was little. <laughs> and like I still do that now. But um, it was never like this over... I feel like I was raised how I was raised because this is how my parents raised me. It happens to be a Hindu upbringing, and if I have children, um, I'll probably bring a lot of those similar things to my family if I start one. But And I'll probably say, like, we're kind of Hindu, like, if I have children or whatever. But it's like, I just don't... I don't tie that much to... Like, it's I not think, part of your identity. Yes. It is to some degree just because yeah. it is because my parents are and for generations. But like I think everything we did could have been... But you're not Hayam Shiragam Hindu. No. Well, it's, you know, it's not part of... That's my fourth thing I say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not high up on your Tinder profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is on the Indian dating app profile just because... Well, they need to know. They need to know, yeah. yeah. They asked me specifically. <laughs> yeah. So I put that in there. But like it's... Yeah, I just think like I could have been this way... Um, regardless of what religion I was raised in. I just, cause it's like, I don't know, we did a lot of general stuff. It's like, just don't be an asshole. And like, like I was talking to my yeah. friend and it was like, why is it so hard for everyone to get around the idea of just don't be a dick? Yeah. So, why is it so fucking hard? Cause it's not, I don't, I mean, yeah. I don't think, and I'm, I'm sure, and you as well, like, I'm sure I've been not nice. Yeah. To, at times, because I'm a, we're human people and we range and but like it, if in most of my like if I was to look back at a, like a highlight tape of my life yeah. from now, most of the time I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. Like why is that so hard and why does it have to be tied with a specific religion? Like why can't everyone just be like, hey, I'm gonna try and not be a dick more than I'm gonna be an asshole. Like, and it doesn't have to be associated with any single a religion. Yeah, I mean, you know going back to how we grew up i grew up you know white catholic small town Mm -hmm. you grew up you know indian hindu north side of chicago yeah tia grew up you know black lutheran south side of chicago yeah we're all generally the same type of person yeah because our parents didn't suck and you know We've learned right from wrong, regardless of how religious you were or, you know, what race or ethnicity or where you grew up. I don't know. It's just like, I feel like none of us are like great people. Like, you know, we're not like the the Mother Teresa types or whatever, (laughs) um, who actually wasn't that good of a person, but that's (laughs) conversation for another Uh time. Um, But, you know, None of us are super like selfless where we're, you know, devoting all of our time to sure. helping other people. But, not. you know, someone stops you on the street and needs directions, I'm not going to, you know, tell them to fuck off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly, exactly. Just generally helpful, generally nice, and just, you know, everybody has their moments when they're not those things. Of course, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but yeah like we had all three of us had you know very different but very similar upbringings and it's just you know it i don't know i I, I don't think any one particular religion or type of upbringing or anything really really plays into that too much sure that like i think that perspective what you just said which is like this understanding that like any religion or any belief can get you sort of to that sort of ultimate goal of just not being an asshole like that's an important way of thinking that i think is lost in like these um fanatical ways of life which is like this is the only way to get to that end goal so a guy i went to pharmacy school with is hardcore atheist um was not going to provide his kids with any type of religious upbringing or religious education. And the question that I heard asked of him a lot was, well, how are you going to teach them right from wrong? And it's like, why would religion be required to be able to teach my kid what makes a good person versus a bad person? Yeah. So it's just a weird, it's a weird thought process to me I, that I just don't quite understand where, you know, you have to have religion to be a good person. I don't agree with that either. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to have, uh, I mean, that. yeah, I feel like you need some sort of like moral compass to understand yeah. how to, but if that comes from religion, then beautiful. I'm glad it came from religion. But if it doesn't come from religion, then yeah, that's a, were those people, were those people that were saying that like religious people? I mean, sometimes like. But, you know, I think just generally, even if people are have not been in a church for years, yeah. even if they've had any kind of religious upbringing, they feel like we need to have religion in, instilled in children to yeah. let them know, like, what's good and bad. And it's like, I don't know, just because, you know, Jesus was like, treat others as you want to be treated, like, that's not the only way to teach a kid that same lesson yeah you can teach them the same thing without saying that jesus said it yeah and it's and it says the same it's the same effect i've been (laughs) so i've been trying to like if i listen to like going back to the um uh the exorcist guy that we saw like he i forgot what he was saying he he said something about like when we can't these aren't his words exactly but it's like when we've checked and found out that there aren't sign like a medical ways for us to do it we'll use like the power of Jesus to kind of get the spirit out of this person. Or like when people say like the word God or specifically when they say Jesus, I, in my head, I'll just replace that word with something else. Like, um, and like looking towards Jesus for help. And it's just like looking towards sort of like the external looking yeah. like inward. And like, I just will replace it in the, in my own head. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And like, yeah. it, yeah, it doesn't have to be through Jesus. You know what has, I, I've had family members like say, so if you marry someone of another religion, what religion are you going to make the kid? How are you going to teach them? And like that question doesn't make sense to me because it's like, I don't know. Who cares? Like we'll teach them both things and then they can decide like who they want to be. Maybe they want to be a third thing. (laughs) I had my cousin, my uncle's is an Indian Hindu man. He married a white Christian lady and his daughter. (laughs) I think once we were walking, she was like, Daddy, are we Jewish? And he's like, "Yep, that's what happens when an Indian, a Hindu man marries a Christian lady. You birth a light-skinned Jewish baby." So confused. <laughs> that was a really funny thing, but it's like, why does it really? Yeah. 
I just and I think part of this is like I just and it's because how I like I don't I'm like proudly Hindu in that I'm proud who I am as a person and I like who I yeah. am but like when I yeah I'm gonna teach them whatever like why does I just I don't I don't understand that at all like if me and whoever I marry sort of have a similar idea about how to treat elders and how to be good people to each other and whoever the fuck else we interact with then like why does it matter that we're two different religions or the same religion because i know people that have married in the same religion and it's like oh that's not going that well (laughs) it's going terrible um it's interesting that you say you know you're proudly hindu because that doesn't play a a role in how i define myself like honestly i would never even mention religious or spiritual beliefs as anything to do with who i am yeah um i guess to i kind of use it more as just like a title as opposed yeah to, yeah no, no no but i mean which is totally fine but it's just um it's just interesting that you know that's part of your identity versus me where it's like i'm i guess proud to have grown up the way i did in a rural setting i feel like it's given me a much different worldview than i would have if i grew up in chicago or in you know any other big city so it's it's you know you can really ascribe uh, that thought to (laughs) anything i think partially too like i've uh, as i've i've been like exploring all these other like religions and cultures and like i don't ever think i'll leave i like i won't leave the like hindu religion i don't think i'll ever sort of give it up but i i was never taught like and partially just kind of how my parents are and like how their grand like their parents were it's like my dad's dad like read the Bible and like read the Quran or at least like looked at them and it's like being okay with knowing that you can look at these other religions um, and like take in some of those things and maybe I'm doing it a little bit more than my family is but like I'm very open to like looking at and that's partially like one of the bigger reasons like this podcast that I'm trying to do exists and like why I have conversations with people of other things is like clearly I don't know the answers clearly my parents don't know the answers either and they can't tell me everything so I want to talk to people that are of different religions or not religious or spirituality and whatever it is of different lifestyles and be like how do you get what do you do to help you get through the day how do you deal with like struggles and pain and what gives you the strength to do like anything or be yourself and then put that in me and be like you know what? i like how he deals with like tough situations or i like how she does this because it makes her really happy every day and how can i do more of that in my own life and it doesn't have to be of any specific anything i think for you being hindu is part of your also cultural it's not specifically a religious yeah thing. it's a way it's, more it's a yeah. cultural it's thing. significantly a cultural Whereas, thing you know my sort of equivalent of that is you know we're german on my mom's side and scottish on my dad's side and like so i sort of associate with those types of things or you know we're midwestern and and you know i sort of just associate with those things yeah that's sort of my cultural identity more so than any kind of religion plays into that got you and that's like so when i i recently was talking to my parents about like uh why would it be bad if I relinquished Hinduism? And it is because of that. Like, I didn't really understand it. And I had not even considered leaving the religion. It was just more a general question. And I kind of wanted to, like, p- 
piss them off a little bit just to see like what it would be like but it's like but it, it is because like for us like leaving that religion in a similar to like that dude leaving the scientology it's like you're kind of if i was to leave the religion i'd be leaving it because i'd also be rejecting the culture like if i was mm-hmm. and so that is like all these little the going to our new year once a year like this like thing that i have tied on my hand yeah. is a rocky it's like my sister ties it like i would probably not do that anymore either and it's like it yeah. is a complete rejection of the religion but more the rejection of the culture that would be problematic whereas like sounds like for you yeah you didn't really tie the religion to the culture all this others like i guess it'd be like you saying i don't want to be german anymore right yeah yeah (laughs) be weird yeah i want to reject my german ancestry (laughs) Uh, yeah so yeah it's it it would be more difficult for me to sort of reject my cultural identity i guess i could just not eat sauerkraut and you know but then it wouldn't be like sauerkraut's supposed to be real good for your gut bacteria it's true it is in your biome and it's so so tasty what do you put it on um so it's best if you cook it like with bacon Mm. and then typically it's just like a side at like holidays and things you've got all your different meats and your potatoes and uh sauerkraut very very midwestern very high cholesterol and you know there's typically gravy involved that sounds awesome i know it's great that sounds really (laughs) good man i've never i think i've maybe had sauerkraut on like a like a hot dog. There's sauerkraut. We have like there are like a, I think there's like a, a Indian version of sauerkraut. We have like sour. I don't know what. It's I mean, called. there's like you know, there's a lot of like different sour pickles and things yes. in in Indian cuisine and like you know kimchi. Yes, is kind of essentially is. the same. It's spicy fermented cabbage versus the sauerkraut, which is fermented cabbage that's not spicy. Yeah. <laughs> so. I learned about this dish called, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Ludwig fish, which is like Swedish. Oh, Ludafisk. Ludafisk, yeah. where they put it, it's like in lye. Yeah. And then they cook, you have to cook it away because lye is poison. Yeah. Have you had it? I have not. Are you scared? It sounds awful. I, I'm not scared. I would try it, but I don't want to. I'm not actively seeking it out. It sounds um, fucking gross. Generally, I'm open to eating pretty much anything haggis is an example i think of as you say that you talk about what is haggis again yeah so um it's a scottish dish in which they take um sheep's the the offal the heart the liver and the lungs i believe grind it up mix it with oats and spices and then stuff it back inside the stomach stitch it up and boil it and just cut the stomach open and scoop it out and traditional scottish dish that so sounds good. disgusting i <laughs> so good as like a meat eater it's weird that like we have i have limits of like like i'm eating an animal's body yeah so that's pretty like in general it's kind of like uh yeah. on the it's kind of fucked up already yeah. right and then i but in my head i have this line of like i'm not gonna eat a fucking heart but it doesn't really i it's kind of strange that there are even within like like I had a, I was uh, on a trip with the family about a month ago. I'm from England, and he's a he's a vegetarian dude. And he was like uh, talking about meat eaters, and he said, "If you're gonna eat chicken, why don't you just eat dogs and lions and all this?" And I was like, "What are you talking about? Like I'm allowed to have discretion." He was like, "I don't think that if you eat one, yeah. you should be able to eat all." And it's like, no, motherfucker, there is some discretion, but it's still kind of weird that I think that uh, lungs are gross, but I'll eat a uh, leg. So yeah, I mean, you should be able to eat anything i mean it's just personal choice i mean 
you know, he's a vegetarian. Maybe he likes broccoli, but not cauliflower. Yeah, like I know, you I was have, trying to explain. You know, that you him. have the choice to not eat certain vegetables that yeah. you don't like. Yes. Just like we have a choice to not eat certain meats because you know they're cute or endangered or you know. I would eat an. Would you eat an endangered animal? No. You wouldn't. I guess it depends on under what circumstances. Just like at a restaurant. No, I mean that just that turns into a whole like ethical debate <laughs> of how did you get this endangered animal on your on your menu and yeah, why. Yeah. Um, I I think about it. I probably I I would I, if I did I wouldn't tell anyone because I would feel like an asshole. What about human meat? Would if, I eat a human? It, yeah, if if it was you know presented to you and you were there were not going to be any consequences of it, and I knew that it was human. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. I don't think I could. Would you try it? Should I be scared that you're in my house? As you're, tell, you're about to tell know. me you're going to eat a human? I don't know under what circumstances this would come up. Sure. I think I wouldn't know what I would do. If presented with it. Until I was in that situation. I think that's a good... Re- that's reasonable because, yeah, you're not going to... Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not actively curious about... Oh, I wonder what human tastes like yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. not like actively seeking it out, but you know, if I were somewhere and it was presented to me, I guess I would have to make a decision at that point. I don't know. I just <laughs> it, it is. I mean, so the closest I I like when I went to Bali and Singapore for about two weeks, if I didn't really ask what I was ordering. Like in Bali, we were eating street food, and I'm, not that it was human meat that we yeah. were eating, but I think there is a little bit in me that is kind of okay with eating some wild stuff, just like meat of questionable origin. We had our driver just—we uh, told him to take us to wherever he goes to eat, and we were on like eating stuff on the side of a road on meat that uh, like was on a stick, and he just ordered it for us, and I had the, the worst diarrhea I've ever had, and I came back with like my middle. Like my pelvic area burning, mm. and I think I pro- I'm pretty sure I caught something from that trip that might still be roaming around in my body four years later. Sounds like an STD. It sounds. <laughs> I got an STD from eating weird meat. Oops. <laughs> I don't know what you were doing with that meat. I don't want to know. <laughs> but I think there is a little bit in me that like I don't. I think I would at least initially reject that human meat, but I think there'd be a part of me that would think like. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I I think, you know, I don't want to. Yeah, me neither. But there is that curiosity that's there. And yeah, like I said, it depends on under what circumstances. If it's like, eat this or I'll kill you, then obviously I'm going to eat it. But, (laughs) you know. But if it's not not under threat of violence or anything, then I, I would most likely, if I had to make a decision right now, I would turn it down. Yeah, me too. But, like I said... How do you think it would be served? Like, what would make a human... Like, do you think, like, a steak? I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I... You know why at this, like... I'd may If it was, like, chopped up into little pieces, maybe, I'd maybe be a little bit more... Just steak is such a fucking... Yeah. Big, thick piece. It's, like, so human. It feels, like, ground into, like, a burger. Oh, God. That's... Yeah, I don't know, man. 
I've never really thought about it. No one's ever asked me would I eat a human if present like and and, and usually it's like in. This was just like sounds like a fine dining experience next to steak and salmon. There's also like the option of human meat. Mm-hmm. Do you think that ever happens? Do you think that that's like somewhere down the line it'll be offered? Does it not? Does it exist already? Maybe somewhere. I think it does. I'm sure it does. There's seven billion people in the world. That's I guess some, there's something. Yeah, I don't know if it's like deep down somewhere that's not really accessible to, you know. The regulars, the the modern society and cultures, or if it's one of those like ultra elite secret society kind of things, it's, Illuminati kind of stuff. Yes, I don't know why does why do both of those extremes kind of seem to dabble in similar like as you said, it was like that makes so much sense. Yeah. Like the people who are so is it like you're so like removed from regular society in both? I would imagine so. Yeah, you just. You have no real like reference point for what's like normal, generally socially acceptable. Yeah. So you just do whatever feels right, I guess. So to that point, this is why like um, people in like high up positions and like politicians and stuff like that, like I just they they're so far removed from what like at least I think like a normal person's life is that you will make decisions. That don't make any fucking sense because it doesn't yeah. affect you. So you're gonna like eat, instead of eating human meat, you're making weird rules about like fucking healthcare, whatever it is. Yeah. But it's like they're kind of rooted in the same th- thing. I think you're so far away from what is sort of I don't yeah. want to say normal, but what is how a lot of people live. I guess like knowing yeah. you're not supposed yeah. to eat humans or whatever. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, on a more realistic scale, if you've always grown up very wealthy. You don't know what it's like to live on food stamps or... Or at least there's like a very... Less likely you're going to be able to... You, you, you understand it on like a fundamental level, I guess. But you don't know what that experience is like. Yeah. To not know where you're going to sleep tonight. Or, you know, I grew up, you know, middle class. Me too. I don't know what that's like. You know, I can understand it as like, you know, a rational, reasonable person just on a theoretical sort of level. But I don't know what that's like to be like, you know, at the end of the day, go through whatever money you have and say, well, I don't have enough for a room tonight. So I guess I'm sleeping outside. Yeah. Let me let me find a, a warm and relatively safe place to sleep. Dude, absolutely. Like, I, I think like the like. Really what I want to do with this is, like, like bust people's bubbles of, like, this belief that everything that happens in your circle is the only way life can happen. Yeah. Like, it, it is so important to realize, like, even between you and I, even though, like, I would say, like, we're kind of sort of, sort of in a same sort of class or whatever. But, yeah. like, even that, like... Our lives are pretty different. How we see things are very different just because of how we were raised. Yeah. Like, we're different races. And just, like, we see the world in different ways because, I mean, that's just the reality. But, like, knowing that is so important because it does, like, keep, like, the the ability to somewhat empathize with someone else is huge. But if you yeah. are in this, like, 
class or whatever and that that's either up or down like rich people poor people like if you kind of just sort of associate with everyone that's the same then you do build up this idea that there's no i think that you build up this idea that there's no other way that anyone can live and so my way is the only way and that is horrible yeah i don't know i don't know I, i think generally a lot of people don't try to learn yeah there's not a lot of active learning that mm. seems to happen. It seems Why? like people just... I don't know. I mean, people just are told... I think, it, you know, sort of coming back around to the religious thing is you're told to believe a certain thing. You know, and it doesn't have to be religious. It could be you hear it on the news or just society in general is saying, oh, you should do things this way. And people are just like, okay, there's no question of why is that the acceptable thing yeah. to do. And see, I think it's pretty easy to just like accept other people's or just accept that and be like, all right, cool. Yeah. Now let's move forward. And I think part of it is then if it doesn't work out, it's not your fault. Yeah. You told me to do this yeah. and it didn't work out. So now it's your fault. So now there's somebody to blame. Yeah. As opposed and, to like, yeah, like questioning your yeah. own. Yeah. As opposed to questioning it and trying your own thing and then failing. And now you have to live with your own failure. I guess it's a way, it's a cop out to, you know, I didn't fail. You failed me. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Did you, um, so like go, going back to religion a little bit. So like, uh, you, uh, were looking into like the Sikh religion for a little bit, right? Yeah. Was that, um, and actually were like, uh, yeah. it for like a year or two or whatever. However. Yeah. Like. I, I don't know that I ever fully committed. Yeah. Um, or you were beginning to it, explore. It, I was, the... I was sort of, yeah. Um, it was not an especially good time in my life. And I think um, I was sort of in that place where I needed guidance again. And And this is after the sort of like uh, sort of rejection of religion period. Yeah. Yeah. This was years later where I I needed guidance again and, you know, nothing was really working for me. And um, somebody I was dating at the time was Sikh and so I you know sort of latched onto that which you know <laughs> it was a pretty low point in my life but then it was comforting in a way because it was something to believe in it was a certain lifestyle that I didn't have to think too much about that I could just live this way and you know they tell you how to live and so it was kind of nice to not have to really make my own choices for a, a, a little while but then... that's kind of like what we were saying was like sort of the problem but it's also like it is a beaut- like yeah. it's nice to I mean that's like the beauty I think of like uh, kind of being a child to some degree like you're kind of yeah. told what to do like as an adult it is hard to be like what do I believe in yeah. how do I figure this shit out and if someone if something kind of prescribes a way to do it it's like oh cool I don't have to even think about it I just do this 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 and this and everything will be okay yeah and I mean it was good I don't know it was good until it wasn't. That's really sure. the best way to describe it. It it was something I needed in my life, and it worked out for a little while until it got to a point where I was like, this isn't how I want to live. Yeah. This isn't my life. This is 
some other life that almost like the same problem you were having with when you like left catholicism yeah. was like i'm again i'm living someone else's life yeah you know someone else told me how to live and now i'm living that and it's just not doesn't work i can't do it so is there stuff from um that religion or that like way of living that you still have in your life now that you still sort of keep um some of it not really actively anymore um i did for even like a thought process or whatever yeah i mean for a while i i you know still sort of ascribe to a lot of the same thoughts and and beliefs of it um i think i've sort of come back to you know where i was so first it was catholicism and then it was that lost period where i was trying other christian religions and then it was an outright rejection and then it was just sort of settled into this just general acceptance of the universe as it is and then you know when that you know some things happened in my life that sort of i needed that guidance and then sikhism happened and so for a little while after that i did sort of hold on to a little bit of that but now i feel like i've sort of come back to that just general like acceptance of the universe as it is I, like that seems to be my baseline that seems to be where i'm most comfortable yeah what makes the most sense for me that's if more that like that sh- i think is almost like what should be a religious thing in its own sense which is like that like find the, the find the shit that works for you or like that should be a human thing and like if if yeah if more religions just kind of taught that like hey here's a here's an option yeah we think this works for us and also you should look into other stuff like i think we could make so much better i think like societally we would be just way fucking better off and like as we were talking about earlier with like something like when you get deep into it it gives you this superiority complex which then leads to like i don't know like fucking wars and stuff because like it's like well i think they're doing wrong so in my religion or whatever my belief system is more right than your belief systems i'm going to now attack you and make you think that you need to follow our belief system but as opposed to an acceptance of like there are and both both i guess like if we could get the whole world on board with this idea that like it's cool however you want to like operate yeah but i mean that's i mean that's obviously like a ridiculous thing but like if we could just have more people to think like just an openness to everything just seems to be at the extremes yeah you know it's you know whether it be political beliefs you're either really far one way or the other yeah religious beliefs you're either you know evangelical christian or you know atheist who's actively trying to destroy religion there yeah. i don't know it just doesn't see, there doesn't seem to be a lot of well no i feel like most people fall within the middle of these extremes but the loudest voices yeah. are at the extremes yeah yeah yeah. of and, course and so that's you know what we're presented with and that just creates more division amongst the the people who are in the middle because you know you hear somebody spouting beliefs just that are so counter to everything you believe that you're like well everyone on that side must be like that yeah and it's like no, there's definitely a group of people that's sure. like that, but generally, I would imagine that they're not. Yeah, and I wonder if that's like—is that like being 
Like, is that the benefit of being in, like, a city like Chicago where you can just sort of see people that are kind of, like, all over the place? Like, it's helpful. I think it's good to be surrounded by people that are... It is. I think, you know, to be exposed to people of different backgrounds and um, cultures, different upbringings, yeah, you yeah. know, um, different, you know, socioeconomic classes and things, it is good to be exposed to that, but then... On the flip side of that, you know, nothing is good without a bad. And I think the the negative side of that is then you start to develop these prejudices or, um, you know, just you'll see certain things and it's like, oh, this type of person always does this thing that I don't like. Yeah, 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 sure. And, And so whether or not that's true, that's how you start believing it because you always see the same thing from the same type of person. Yeah. And so it's just not, if you, you know, I grew up in a pretty sort of homogenous, um, place where pretty much everybody was white. Yeah. Um, like the vast majority of people were white and then there was a Catholic church and there was a Lutheran church and everyone went to one of the two of them they like each other the people that went to the two different churches yeah oh, okay. but it was just you know not a lot of different types of people and so i think depending on how what type of person you are that can go one of two ways you can either stick with only that type of person and just assume that everybody outside of that is bad or whatever or it sort of leaves a blank slate where you don't know what anybody else is like. Yeah. So you just kind of assume they're also like you, which I think is how I sort of saw it. I was like, I just assume everybody, because it seemed like the people I grew up around were good people. You know? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, hardworking, just generally friendly people. And yeah. I just kind of assumed that you know this must just be how people are wherever you know however they grew up which i think after i moved to chicago i was very naive um once i started seeing people you know from different places and things and it just sort of but then again how you handle that also kind of sets you on a different path because it's you could see that and be like oh all these all these people are terrible you know and or it could just be like okay i guess i was wrong and then you can learn and grow from it and yeah you know it helps make you a more rounded person when you can understand what people you know what people what people are like or why they're like that or sure just like, absolutely. you know just just accept that not everyone is like me that's a i like <laughs> i i want in that same light, like, I would much rather someone um, hate me after they meet me than hate me because they just, like, know I'm Indian and, like, yeah. like oh, all Indians are like this and fuck you. It's like, no, man, like, meet me and yeah. then talk to me and then realize yeah. that you think I'm shitty and then hate me and then that's fine. I'll accept that. But if you just yeah. hate me because I'm Indian or whatever because you've seen a bunch of shit about Indians and you're yeah. like, well, fuck, Indians suck. It's like, no, dude, like, I'm not, I don't want, I don't like that. Like, we should be getting away from that. We yeah. should be looking at everyone, I think, on an individual basis. Like, yeah. Because we're all, I mean, just, like, 
I don't know. Of all of them, like I have a Indian friends, and like we're not all the same. We're all different. But someone could look at a group right. of us and be like, "Oh, all of those people are this way, or all those yeah. people." And like that's not true. We're all individual human people who happen to be the same color and who come yeah. from a similar background, but are also come from different. We're different people and unique and like. Yeah, I think people like to just ascribe characteristics to groups it's easier hell yeah it's easier it's easier than you know just be like oh all of those people do this instead of you know oh this one particular guy does it this way and this other person does it that way it's it's easier to just look at people as a group which is just so fucking lazy yeah it is lazy i don't know but how often do we like how often do you get to talk to people that are different from you and like it once like people settle into sort of their like regular life i mean i think i'm actively trying to like meet people i mean improv helps me just sort of like interact with different people of all different i mean they're all improvisers i guess but like it's people from all over everywhere and it's like i'm sort of forcing myself in these situations where i'm surrounded by different people of different backgrounds and like all these things like how often are people able to actually regularly interact with people that are different from them yeah so that's something that, that I was thinking about because like um, I pretty much have all of my friends like I haven't I can't honestly remember the last time I made like a new friend am I like one of your newest friends I think so <laughs> okay yeah and it's just one of those things where it's like you know you have your friends and you spend time with your friends and yeah. there's not as an adult, you don't actively seek out new friends and new people to be in your life. And so um, last night I went to the grocery store and there's this one cashier there who I just randomly ended up in his line on occasion. I think because he's really fast, his line is always short. Yeah, okay. So I always just ended up there. But he's a guy who's roughly my same age, I would guess. Um and just like every time we go, we just kind of like bullshit and and just like make jokes and stuff. Like you know, while we're doing our thing, just you know, checking out and getting my groceries. But then it's just like, part of me is like, I feel like I could hang out with this dude. <laughs> but then part of me is like, how? How do you do that? How do you like meet new people? How do you make friends as an adult? Because it's like I don't know, just like hey man. I love this back and forth that we have while you're ringing up my groceries. Yeah. Do you want to hang out? Let's like see if we can have the same banter in yeah. a non-groceries. Because setting. then it feels so forced and so just like, I don't know. You're almost like, it feels like you're probably like hitting on him a little yeah. bit or whatever. It's like a strange, cause yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that's without doing like most of my new friends have come from like, improv over the last three years just or through them i've met people but that's like i'm out doing this thing if i hadn't been out doing this thing i don't know where i'd be getting new friends because i would go to work and come home and then hang out with my friends yeah and then that's kind of it yeah (laughs) no i was just gonna say so like (laughs) there's only one i'm also really i think i'm not i'm very open with the people that i know but I don't think I initiate uh, conversations or just anything with people I don't know very often. Okay. And I'm also not great at follow-up. <laughs> so I was, thinking of, I was thinking about it where um, I was in an Uber once, and the driver was a dude who was 
you know, again, like my age. Um, and we just started talking and he's like, oh, I'm from Germany. And like, and I was like, oh, cool. My grandmother's from Germany. And we just started talking and we had a really good conversation for like the 20 minutes that I was in his car. And right before I got out, I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to go for it. And I'm just like, hey, you know, it was kind of cool talking to you. Like, you know, this sounds super weird, but would you want to like exchange numbers and like maybe hang out sometime? Yes. I've said a very similar line. And to then he advice. was like, I was also kind of thinking it, but also thought it might be weird. And so we did exchange numbers, but then like nothing ever came from it because neither one of us ever made the effort to yep. actually hang out. But it was just, it, I don't know. I don't know if it's, it's not a weird thing. To be like, hey, we seem to be clicking. Like, do you want to hang out? No, because that's what people like. Yeah, you should be doing that. You should be able to do no, that, but, but it, it is just weird. Feels wrong, and I just don't know why it feels wrong. Yeah, I don't know either. Like, I have no. I had a dude. Uh, I was at Jewel, and I was just looking for. I don't know. I was trying to buy pasta, and some guy was started talking about my shoes. Because he liked them, and we were talking about my shoes for a little bit, and then he was telling me a little bit about his background. We were both raised in the city, and then I took his phone number, and then I never texted him again. But I was like, is he hitting on me, or is he just being nice, and is he just trying to build like a genuine connection with just another random person? It's fucking strange. Like, if someone talks to me at a grocery store... I mean, I love having conversations with random people, and I have, on a plane, sitting next to a girl, almost fallen in love with her the worst type of person we were flying talk talking to random people on the plane love i hate it. when people talk to me on the plane i love it my dad does the same shit oh, God. i love chatting i w- i choose i think i told you i choose to not sit next to my friends yeah you choose to sit in the middle seat you're Sometimes. that you're that person <laughs> i want to be <laughs> yeah i do that girl we happen to be like next to each other in line and she was kind of cute, and I had two drinks in me, and I started talking to her a little bit, and I was like, oh, you're cute, let's talk for a little bit. And then we ended up sitting next to each other in the back of the plane where, like, on an international flight, it's like three, four, three. Mm-hmm. We were in the back where it was two instead of three, so we had just this little, like, mm-hmm. the couple section to ourselves. We would watch movies separately, and then when dinner would come... We would eat dinner and talk about the movies, and like she would put some of her stuff on my desk or on my like counter as we were mm-hmm. like as she was looking for stuff. We were sharing spaces, and then at the end of the flight, I hugged her and said goodbye. And my friend who was at a different part of the plane was like, "Why did you just hug a stranger on the plane?" I was like, "Dude, we for real, like we were on the path to if this was a romantic comedy, we would have fallen in love, but it wasn't." We emailed a few times and then it stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds, I, sounds about right. <laughs> but it is like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, like how people make it. It's a strange. It's hard to like. I don't know. It's just if you aren't doing things, it's like weird to make friends. But you should be able to. I've had dudes yeah. ask me for my number in the gym, and I think they were just like, "I'm new to this neighborhood. I need a friend," and I would never text them back. I'm like, "I'm not gonna fucking text you, weirdo." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm new to the neighborhood. This guy's cute. I was looking real strong at yeah, the gym. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Those five pound weights. <laughs> yeah. Toning, toning, not strength. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get bulky. <laughs> it's 
So, um, where would you like? So you kind of said it, I guess, earlier. But like, where would you say you now sort of fit spiritually, religiously? Like, do you are you looking for other things, or have you like dabbling in any other religions and all? No, um, really, the only time I ever go to church is when we visit our friends in Minnesota, and we'll sometimes go to my buddy's church when he's preaching. So yeah, but yeah, other than that, I just have no real interest or desire in pursuing any kind of formal religion. I don't know. I would like to incorporate more like meditation and stuff into my life, but I haven't um, because it's really easy to not do it. It's so easy Um, to not do it. I don't feel spiritually unfulfilled or anything. So I just, you know, haven't, I guess there's not been a need for it. Yeah. So I've not really sought out anything. Do you know when you were saying that with meditation, like I've, I've come to sort of understand like, um, like meditation doesn't have to be, uh, just like sitting quietly. So like, right. So like the two things that I found with me that get me to that, like similar meditative state are like, like intense exercises where you're like for like 40 minutes, like really focused on the workout that you're doing staying like just like mentally sort of zoned in to Mm -hmm. not puke or not pass out or like control your breathing um and then like improv like which like for those 20 minutes i'm on stage or like during a two-hour rehearsal and you're just kind of doing these scenes here and there like um like or yesterday i did a 50 minute show where for those 50 minutes all i was focused on was what was happening in the show like sort of just trying to get into good characters and stuff and like that is sort of what meditation is like meditation is supposed to be this focused breath on uh like um just the like now and not sort of the outside noise and like so like it doesn't have to be just sitting quietly because you can obviously like not do that but it can be like for for, like really fucking anything that sort of helps sort of like hone your attention into this one task or whatever it is and not worry about it and it's really it's yeah, that's kind of like if if you could get, like not you, but just like if more people could get around that idea that you don't yeah. have to just sit quietly, just it's like about intense focus on something and not sort of this external noise. You could get to those like the benefit that um, I think meditation sort of gets you. I've been driving in silence in the mornings too, just like thirty minutes, just to like uh, uh, this this dude Richard Rohr I think said it. He's pretty. He's a Franciscan friar, um, but anyway, so like just like driving in the morning the 25 minute drive to work um it's like just sort of sort of assessing where i'm at that day like i can feel like be like all right today you've been a little antsy in the drive so just be aware that as you enter into the office that you are a little antsy today or you are not feeling like as joyous so just take a second if someone talks to you like breathe before you answer like oh you feel pretty good today so today's gonna be a silly day and it gives me like a good Hmm. allows me to sort of check in with myself and be like all right cool like it's been i think really fucking helpful to just sort of know what like how i am that morning i generally listen to classical music in Hmm. the car um for a while it was the only music i could even stand to listen to says a guy who has a wolf sheep shirt on at work sometimes not today today he has a oh, cute elephant the, oh yeah that's um that's my skeleton witch skeleton witch yeah <laughs> <laughs> um even during that time yeah it's 
all of that was just in the back it was only classical music and i think because it is that almost meditative like cathartic kind of state where it just kind of there's nothing you have to think about you know any other genre is where there are lyrics they're telling a story when this is just um instrumental it's evoking like feelings and so you know they would always play just generally pretty calm um music and so i think that you know especially at the when we worked together towards the end of my time there i was getting really sort of antsy to go and i just you know i didn't i didn't enjoy going into work anymore and we were living in an apartment with terrible neighbors and just generally i just wasn't happy with the way my personal like home life was i wasn't happy with my work life and this was you know 30 40 minutes in the car where i just had this calm sort of soundtrack and it was you know kind of a lifesaver to just you know not have to really focus on anything else just just exist in in that and just um have have the music sort of guide my my feelings for you know that amount of time it probably i mean it sounds like it probably helped like if you had gone if it, it broke away from those feelings of angst like it it sounds like in a good way you were able yeah. to sort of separate away from the sort of angst of work and then the angst of living in that like house situation with yeah. bad neighbors it's like at least you were able to break away from that and like maybe reset yourself a little yeah. bit which it, like that's sort of why i do like i was like studying for this test a few years ago and i would go for a run after i'd come home from work just to like reset my brain and almost like start yeah. fresh so that i could re like almost like erase the bullshit from whatever was before even even if it wasn't even bad bullshit just like clear that part of the day away reset my mind to be able to now take on this new task as opposed to taking that like old like worn down brain into this new task and not be able to like hit it head on because i like yeah i don't know it's i think it's like really important to have those things sort of in our lives yeah so i I guess to that effect that that was my form of meditation at that time um i guess really you know i wasn't really thinking about meditation as something other than sitting cross-legged on the floor with incense burning and things like that um but i mean we we go to pilates every weekend every saturday hell yeah and so for an hour i'm not thinking about anything yeah other than just let's get through this get through this routine and then i feel like that does have sort of a, a holdover effect where you feel good for you know hours afterwards can you i need to pee so bad do you mind no. holding on you can talk please feel free to talk into the microphone oh, i felt like i hadn't peed in like years man. good <laughs> lord it's hard my bladder is not i think like i'm actually somewhat concerned about what it's going to be like when i'm older given some of my bowel habits now and my pee habits now like i just like i've sharded more times as a young person than i think is should be happening i feel like it should be zero yeah zero not, times it is not I, that's i mean random meets in bali i think will 
Yeah, I'm going to say zero to one. Maybe if you had like an especially bad stomach flu or something, yeah. I can I can allow that. But It's happened in a bowling alley. Just was like walking and farting. I was like, well, all right, we need to take a little break. I got to go into the toilet now. Throw your underwear away. <laughs> nah, dude, I'll just wipe it off. I need <laughs> underwear is a premium, and those things are expensive. <laughs> um, so we're kind of at that time. Um, there was something I think you said you want to talk about earlier. I don't know if you remember. Oh, we already got to it. Did we? What yeah. was it? Well, I was I was thinking about uh, making friends as an adult. Oh, and it's just yeah, it's weird. It's just not easy i feel like start a podcast invite some strangers over and now you've got a new friend (laughs) i feel like uh yeah really either uh friends of tia's or like i don't know just yeah at at the old job i made like a couple friends but other than that like i haven't i can't honestly remember the last time i made a new friend and it's like i don't know part of me is thinking like is it more difficult as an adult as it w- than it was as a kid? Probably. I guess it, it we have more hang-ups as, as adults, so it's harder to initiate that. But I think you make... The friends you do make as an adult are stronger friendships than you make as a kid. Because as a kid, it's like, oh, this guy's got like a Sega... So we're friends now, and now I'm going to spend like every day over at his house until you know somebody gets a better toy or yeah. something. <laughs> well, it's like I feel like you have to if you are, yeah. There's a different type of effort that I think is required. That like if you are to if you are to sustain some of those friendships as a child, like you have to kind of. I've been I've been doing that with some friends that I've known for a long time. It's like sort of understanding that like because we were friends for so long, we took a lot of things for granted, which is like further exploring those each other which with some of my kids like buddies i've known for a long time i've been having these different conversations with them over the last few years yeah because it's like we've known each other for such a long time but there's so much that we don't know because a lot of it started with like video game stuff or just like this was our friendship like we played video games and i've known them for a long time and now understanding like you have to still work at that relationship there's still like so many untapped questions that yeah that uh you should talk about to further that relationship because then yeah that's just yeah i think it's a necessary thing yeah i mean i have a lot of friends who you know we were really good friends when we were 16 17 18 years old but at 30 we don't ever speak we don't we're not friends anymore just because it's who you were when you're a teenager is so different from who you are as an adult that it's just like, we're not doing the same things. We don't, I don't know. We don't, we don't have anything to offer each other anymore. Yeah. So it's, so then, yeah, it's like over time, I guess I didn't notice, but over time it's just like, huh, I don't really have that many friends anymore. Well, I guess then, um, if you are looking for new friends, um, Alex Orr is has an availability for friends. <laughs> we'll leave his number we'll at the end of this. We can I'll put his number out there. Him. I'll have to bet. <laughs> bet everybody. I, well, I'll bring different people on. You can be like, you know what? That person seems nice. I want them to be my new friend. But I think that's the thing, too, is I'm okay with it. Yeah. I. It's kind of nice to not always have some kind of obligation 
when it's the weekend, I'm like, I can do whatever I want. I I have nothing to do and no one to see. I use that same logic for why I'm still single. <laughs> and why I kind of want to maintain this. I'm like, you know what? I can do whatever the fuck I want. I don't have to go do some dumb shit with someone's friends and I don't really like that much. Yeah. No, it's it's actually a little liberating to not have any friends. <laughs> Fuck. All right, man. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. Man. Yeah, I really absolutely. This was a blast. Yeah, that no, was fun. All right. He still does want friends, so even though he says he doesn't. <laughs> Call me. <laughs>